Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you. Father, you are a good father and all good things from heaven come from you. Father, you have ordained all our steps, you cover our paths, you make all the crooked paths straight for us, O Master. And even before we walk into some areas, Lord, you have already gone before and prepared the way for us, O Lord. For your word says that you will keep us in this world from all evil, O Master. And no harm shall come nigh our dwelling. And Father, we receive your grace and your favor upon our lives, O Master. Lord, even as we study from your word today, Lord, Father, we just want to feast on your on your goodness in Christ Jesus, O Master. Teach us so much. Lord, we can never be satisfied on how good you are. And Father, now it's reflected in your Son, Jesus. Father, help us to see it and be able to live by it, O Lord. So all the provision for our life is found in seeing your Son, Jesus. And Father, show it, show it to us from the Scripture. And Father, let today be a time of us, a laying down of a strong foundation of a truth that will not be shaken, O Lord, in the days to come. Even when storms come and winds blow, but those, that foundation will be so strong that our houses will not shake. But even when the world shakes, our dwelling shall not be shaken. For it is built on this rock, on the knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. Father, teach us through your Holy Spirit this evening time. Bless us, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So today's title of the message, last time we had studied about beholding Jesus. So the, I believe that last time's message was a kind of a landmark message that we took and God has been teaching us new stuff. Um, and it's on, it's, uh, it's on the website, so if you get a chance to listen to and take notes and actually take, take off from that level and actually study, make your own study, because there's so much material on the concept which is central to the Bible of receiving your victory in this world by beholding. See, it's a very unique concept. Not every, not every religion has this concept. No, no, every philosophy has it. Every other philosophy had nine steps to do stuff. Or you have to do stuff. Or you have to do that. It, the focus is so much on man. Right? Their experiences and your discipline and your what you need to do. And all philosophies are built around human-centric and man-centric. But the Bible, if you look at it, so if you, it's very interesting that if you look at the Bible and you read it without your eyes being open, you will take away the same uh, expectation. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I mean, uh, this is interesting. Um, great philosophers, great leaders, um, they, the way they read the Bible, they are not born again, many of them. Many of them are not believers, not not. Believers. I, I would not say Christians because just because you're born in a Christian family, it doesn't you know they call themselves Christians. But if you're not a believer, you would actually they would read the Bible as a literature, and their takeaway is always this: the Sermon on the Mount is such a good sermon. Correct. So the moment you hear that, you know that they have not got the revelation of what that said. Because actually, the Sermon on the Mount is a high expectation of moral. Morality that is expected from a bankrupt human being. <laughs> I mean, and nobody can keep it. But 
it appeals to all the philosophy and the wise in the world because it has a it almost gives it an impression that if you can do that life will be so much more good but the sermon on the mount is to tell you that you can never keep that and here is by the way your need for a savior and here is the door and that that door is jesus christ <laughs> so but it's a, and a sermon on the mount actually ends by this uh, statement by jesus said he who is wise let him build a house on the rock and he who is not wise is going to build a house on the sand but when the rains come and the storm comes the house on the rock will stand so really it doesn't make any sense with respect to what jesus was saying the whole thing he's saying if you don't believe that your righteousness cannot make it and if it is not on my righteousness as a foundation whatever house you build your house is going to get destroyed and that is the whole concept of sermon on the mount the sermon on the mount is a whole expectation that that's why jesus starts saying that if you lust at a woman in with uh, in your heart you've already committed adultery if you hate a brother you've already murdered him and people say that's a good teaching or jesus is being good really it's such a high demand that you can never keep it and you are completely so you so a, a guy who is under, uh, partially righteous would read the sermon on the mount his take away from that would be who can keep this and that exactly the purpose of jesus sermon was i agree you, you, now you realize that you need me you need a savior it's amazing so so but if you read the bible with a unregenerated mind and this is very powerful you can read it yourself you will have your quiet times and i've done that as a believer a long time uh as a believer you would read stuff and your expectation would be i have to do this i have to do this i should maintain a good life i've lived a good life and good life and guess what happens you you can't keep it then what happens immediately you condemn yourself you see that and because you condemn yourself you 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 don't you don't judge the bible you say bible is good but i am such a horrible person so i can never be good as well as why waste my time following god i don't want to be a hypocrite you got it so it's a you you go away so desperate so dejected but you go away with this false sense so then people start living a false sense of like half baked christianity which kind of gives you some brownie points when you do some things you help some poor you help some family and you get this feeling you know i think i've done some good work so and your philosophy now your bible based understanding of philosophy is no different than any other philosophy any other religion so every religion talks so then they say you know all religions are the same you just follow christ you missed it the interesting the bible is all about you cannot make it your righteousness cannot get you it and you can only be transformed by seeing the son of god how why what are we doing no the bible is very clear the gospel is if you see jesus you're transformed into his image that's so weird i mean that's what james says if you it's like looking into the perfect law of liberty we talked about that if you look into this perfect law of liberty in the mirror and you forget what you look like you're a double minded person so now in christ jesus you are seeing in the face of jesus who you are let me repeat that again 
you are seeing in the face of Jesus who you are. Do you get it? You are seeing in the face of Jesus who you are. Jesus is your mirror today. Before you came, became a believer, who, what was your mirror? Can somebody answer that? Huh? Correct. Who said the law? You said the law? You got it. See, before you became a believer, the law was your mirror. Because you would go to the law to tell you, how did I do today? Right? So like for example, you go to the law and say that, so the law will tell you, you did three commandments good, you did not do this one good. So every day you are going to the law, but you are going to the Bible. That's the funny part, because the law is in the Bible, right? You are going to the law and getting its validation on what you have done. And what does the law tell you? The law always tells you not what you did right, it will always tell you what you did wrong. So, so you are going to the Bible to study these ten commandments in various forms. But you, you take away that the, in this area of my life I have failed. So it always pronounces you guilty. All the time. All the time pronounces you guilty. All the time. So every time you go to the law, it pronounces you guilty. Which was the intended plan, purpose of the law. The law is not there to tell you how good you are. The law is just telling you to tell you which one you broke. Remember that. So that is why Israel had a problem receiving the benefits of Deuteronomy. Remember Deuteronomy? You have all these blessings and all these curses. How many times, how many of you have read all the curses? <laughs> you don't want, I mean you read a little bit, you just give up. You don't want, I mean... And, but, but you can never get these blessings because the Bible says if you break one of the law, all the curses will come upon you. But if you keep all the law, then you are eligible for all the blessings. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very unique situation where it is black or white. So, so, now, so, so now if you read the Bible, now, and today it's going to be more casual talk. I want you to get, get a feel. I want to get, see the heart of studying the Bible. See, if, I, if I'm going to share something today, it will be how to study the Bible with this new revelation of what the Bible, the gospel is written to you. The gospel is written to you with an intention for you to see in the face of Jesus who you are. Make sense? Not do, see him. See him. See him. That is why the last message is very critical. Beholding Jesus. Correct? The more you see him, you become like him. Like for example, we talked about last time the example of when Peter, uh, they were in the storm on the water. Correct? Jesus was walking on the water. They saw Jesus. They thought he was a ghost. Correct? So till that time there was no effect. He, they saw him as a ghost. What happened to them? The storm was still on. The moment Jesus said, it is me, I'm not a ghost. So Peter said, if it is you, Lord, bid me come. So he said, if it is you, Lord, bid me come. So he said, come. So now he started looking to Jesus and walking on because of what he said. 
So he started walking towards Jesus. Now who is he looking at? Jesus. Jesus. So, world philosophy and all other religion will say, before you can walk on water, what should you be? You should be perfect. In fact, there is a bumper sticker. You have seen that. If you are perfect, try walking on water. <laughs> right? So, that's a philosophy. You can only be you can only walk on water if you are perfect or you are holy. That means you are perfect. You are a saint. Correct? You are perfect. So, before Peter could walk on water, he had to be what? Perfect. But was he perfect? No. He just called the Lord of the world a ghost. <laughs> okay. perfect. He, he, he has no understanding but he, he saw Jesus. Jesus said come. He started walking towards Jesus. Now he's looking at Jesus. Correct? Correct? What's happening to him when he's looking at Jesus? He's walking on water. But he never learned how to walk on water. He doesn't know how to walk on water. It defies gravity. It defies all physical laws. But he is able to walk on water. Why is he able to walk on water? Because he is looking at one who is right now walking on water. You see? He is now looking at somebody who is walking on water. By seeing Jesus walking on water, he is able to walk on water. So he is beholding himself in Jesus. So it's a very simple. So he sees Jesus walking on water. The moment he sees Jesus on the water, he is walking on water. It has nothing to do with his ability, his works, his uh, whatever he has done. Nothing. By seeing. So the, what happened is, okay, so this is a situation. Now this is proved in the fact that when did he start to sink? Remember, Julie, when did he start to sink? Do you know when Peter started to sink in the water? When he started to look away from Jesus into the water. So he's not studying any new philosophy or anything. He's just, just eyes. He's just looking at Jesus. Guys, think about it. Look at the demand that God, Jesus is making, the demand that God the Father is making of you for you to live victorious lives. He's not telling you to do anything. He's not telling you to have great faith. He's just telling you, look at Jesus. It's weird. I mean, just think about it. Just look at me and you will become like me. Okay, I know your next question. How do I look at Jesus right today? He had Jesus to look at. We'll talk about it later. But do you get this concept? So the moment he looked away from Jesus, he started to sink. Because now he started to become like every other human being on the world. Every other human being on the world is cannot walk on water. Can you put them on movie? Tell Joanna to do that. So, uh, so every other, every other person cannot walk on water. But you can become what you see in Jesus. So the moment you see Jesus, the Lord tra tra transposes what Jesus is on you. And this is very crucial. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Jesus is what produces fruit in you. Very interesting. 
not what you do but the knowledge of jesus if you know jesus if you see jesus that changes you produces fruit in you i'm telling you if you can get this concept and you and see that throughout the bible and i'll show it to you throughout the bible that that is what is going to give you the victory like for example let me give you an example if you see jesus rich and abundant and extremely wealthy what's happening to you because you are seeing yourself in jesus correct so like for example so here was this uh, situation now jesus is very smart he wants the disciples to see this so he was in this wilderness there was 5000 people there is no bread right there is no bread he has to say a day's journey to send people out to get bread so he, they better start walking in the afternoon so that by the time they get to a town they'll find bread or these guys are going to be hungry and this is wilderness you're talking about desert right so jesus tells the disciples who are bankrupt and no no money saying that they have some money but not enough to feed 5000 he said why don't you feed them and they start to think so they are starting to think they are starting to, okay because they said we have a, we have enough money but it cannot suffice everybody blah 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 and so what was the key so they brought two fishes and gave it to him there jesus was waiting for them to say that jesus we see you you have all the bread in the world you are rich you are extremely rich so when they brought the bread and brought it to jesus what are they now doing the, what's that john correct so now he's saying it's not when jesus tells you to do something and you look to him to do something you are now saying you are you are able to do it you are the rich guy i am not the rich guy so when you say jordan go and get me some food but you say anil why don't you i don't have any food why don't you give me food now you are saying yes i am the supply i am the source so when they saw jesus rich as jesus able to do guess what happened all the needs were met all the needs were met like for example martha martha saw jesus as was somebody that when he she needed to so supply correct so she saw jesus full or jesus empty empty so so what she saw she was so she saw jesus empty so what happened to her she was and she immediately it sparked in her he said why don't you tell her to help me why why do you need help if you are full you are not full because you are seeing a savior who is empty guess what happened that makes you empty so mary on the other hand was sitting at jesus feet and feeding of jesus so how is mary looking at jesus as full or abundant and supplying so what happened to mary no so what happened to mary she is full and she is not having any lack she is was she complaining no because she is fully satisfied so what do we you see jesus that you become and that is the gospel message the gospel message all philosophies every even christianity as a mainland religion does not want you to see jesus 
They want you to be like Jesus. But by doing, not by beholding. Beholding Jesus is the key for your life. I mean, this is, this is, but Anand, is that so simple? I'm telling you, it is, it is the crucial thing. You have to see Jesus. And what you see Jesus is what you become. How important is this? This is so important. It is the most important act that you will do as a believer in your life, throughout your life. And this you will do for eternity. That is why Jesus always appears to the disciples always where? When Jesus shows up in the front of disciples, where, does, where would he always appear? He always appears in the midst. Because they all, God, our Father, wants all the disciples to see whom? Jesus. Because in Jesus, when you see Jesus, is all your needs met. So, so when Pilate brought Jesus out, clothed in, in, uh, uh, in a purple robe and with thorns around his head, what did Pilate say? Behold the man. See Jesus. The moment say they saw Jesus, because salvation is beholding this Jesus. How was this uh, Israelites in the wilderness? How will, when they were bitten by the snakes, what did the Lord tell them? Make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and do what? Interesting. <laughs> Just look at it. No, no conf there's no confession also. There was no confession. But the the fear, the the be, the mere fact of looking healed them. Because they saw what on the, the, on the bronze serpent. What did they see? What did they see on the bronze pole? They saw a serpent. So they saw Jesus who became sin for you. And the moment he became sin for you, then sin cannot reside in you and you are healed. So beholding Jesus is the key. Now let's look at this, this one. Okay. So I'm going to uh, talk about something that we studied last time. Remember we said that when God had created man and woman, he had created them naked or clothed. It doesn't say that though. That's, that's inferred. You inferred, preachers have talked about it. But the Bible is very clear. When God had created man and woman, were they naked or clothed? Okay, the Bible, okay. You have doubts about it? Before man sin. Before man sin, was man and woman naked or clothed? Are you sure, Jerry? They were naked or clothed? It is written. Okay, now let's read this. I want you to get this because you understand where your clothes come from. It's very important to know where your clothes come from. Very important to know clothes come from. I thought we, we talked about it last time, but I want you to, because this is so essential to this aspect of seeing Jesus. Why seeing Jesus is connected to clothes. Today I'm going to talk, a, a vast part of the message is going to be about clothes. Clothes determine your walk on the earth. It's so powerful. It's a powerful message if you study more deeply. Let's look at it. Let's look at Genesis chapter Okay, let's, uh, Genesis chapter 2, 
this is god is not creating man and woman genesis chapter 2 verses 21 22 23 god the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall on adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place then the rib which the lord god had taken from man he made into a woman and he brought her to the man and the you know what adam said therefore a man shall live his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh correct is this creation correct look at verse 25 Be- before sin or after sin before sin do you read that let's read it very clearly it's very clear in a pre sin state when god had created man and woman did they have clothes no no and they were both naked the man and his wife and they were not ashamed so preachers have told it that they were not they were not naked because they were clothed with the glory of god doesn't say it here okay let's just read the verse the verse i know why we say that because we're trying to cover up for god out here right we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to help god out here lord we know that there is this glory cloud over this people but you forgot to write about it we are going to help you here okay it doesn't need your help let the bible speak for itself because there is a truth in this this truth is what satan wants you not to know this is so huge satan knew every cre- every creation of god has clothes every creation of god has clothes the trees have leaves the uh, the lilies have flowers they are all clothed the lion has is me it's not for protection it's not for protection it's what protection is in a zebra having stripes in fact it makes it stand out as a prey yeah. right but that's his clothes doesn't he look beautiful okay what about the peacock what about a turkey <laughs> what a, talk about beauty is that clothes or is it essential for their living there is no need for beautiful colors for living i mean you have creatures with all kinds of patterns and beauty i mean there are creatures in the ocean that live in dark corners that are beautiful i mean there's nobody to look at their beauty but it is beautiful because god makes everything beautiful and everything he clothes it everything he clothes with beauty why would he make his premier creation made after his image naked no <laughs> let me ask you a question is okay this is sound weird but i don't want you to have stupid thoughts about it is the father in heaven naked what about jesus no what about the holy spirit I know I came from Paris and I've seen all this <laughs> I went to this Louvre museum and all these naked roman gods after some time it's like but I've seen so many organs <laughs> you're like join us like what is this where have you brought us it may they call it art but I call it <laughs> but after some time it just gets too much <laughs> but that is not that is not i mean i agree the human body is beautiful but it is designed to be clothed designed to be clothed designed to be clothed it's interesting the father is not naked 
the son is not naked, and we were made in his image, then why is man and woman naked here? So obviously, what's going on here is, the work is not complete. Something, God has given man and woman clothes, but the clothes have still not been revealed to them. Correct? Correct? So every animal has clothes because they're born with clothes. Everybody clothes. You never, I mean, only Americans would dress up their dogs. I mean, I don't think any other culture dresses up dogs, right? I mean, if you go to a pet store, there are clothes for dogs. I mean, that's like weird, you know? I mean, but they have clothes. I mean, they look good without clothes, right? Let me tell you. Okay. But except this culture, everybody recognizes that animals have clothes. So why is it that man and woman doesn't have their own clothes when they're born with? Or do they? The Bible says, now let's look at what happened. So you know the story. So before they could be clothed, somebody came to them and tried to know. See this whole business of the Bible is about clothes. <laughs> Think about it. Satan, before he, they could be clothed with what they were supposed to be clothed with, and we will talk about it today, and we'll find out what is our cloth, was they did what? Look at what happened. Verse 7. This is what Satan tempted them. And then see, look at what he says. Look at Satan's, Satan's words. From that, and you tell me, where did their clothes was supposed to come from. Let's look at this verse. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the tree, fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat it, nor you shall touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, what's going to happen? Your eyes will be opened. There was something. So, hold it. There's your clue. That means, but their eyes were already opened, isn't it? It's revelation. No, no, no. Were their eyes open? Phys that means, he's not talking about his, their physical eyes. So obviously there is another set of eyes that they have. That if they would open, what happens? They will be clothed. So they already had their clothes. But their clothes came from their, from their eyes. eyes. See, man has clothes. A woman has clothes. But the clothes are in their eyes. So before they could be clothed by looking at what? Jesus. At Jesus, Satan made them look at what? The mirror. Which mirror? No. The law of God. You got it? See, there are two mirrors that you can look at. You can look at the mirror of Jesus and see yourself as Jesus is. Or you can look in the mirror of the law and see you yourself as guilty. But here they have not sinned. So what would they see themselves as? No. No, no, no. 
Hold on. Okay, let's back them. You, know, you get this foundation. Are they now created with naked? Correct. That means they have their clothes on it, but it is not. Let's say put on. So they are not. The clothes are not put on, but they have the clothes. Correct. Just like every other creation. Do let me repeat this again. Does every creation born with clothes? Yes. Are you sure? That is revelation. Every creation is born with clothes. Do you think you are born with clothes also? Yes. But you have to put on. But God has given you a choice what you put on, when to put on. And the, the, the secret is in opening your eyes. So you have to open your eyes to the mirror of the law and see yourself in the law. What does it see yourself? Naked. Or you see yourself in this tree of life. Both are in the center of the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge and good and evil. Both are in the center. But God wanted their eyes by choice to be open to the tree of life. Do you get it? So he, he wanted them. The moment they opened their eyes to the tree of life. Who is the tree of life? Jesus. So was he in the garden? Yes. He's always in the center. He's called the tree of life in Revelation. He says, I am the life. I am the resurrection. He looks at me. He said, so Martha and Mary are troubled. They're saying that my brother is four days in the tomb. He's stinking. It's all bodily fluids and he's messed up. And you are telling, and you're telling Roland in the story. He said, Martha, Mar Mary, did I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory. Who is the sea? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you see me as resurrection? Yes. He said, yes, we see you as resurrection. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because as you see Jesus, so is he. So it's very important for Mary and Martha to see Jesus as resurrection. So outside the tomb, Jesus is not telling I am the bread of life. You see? Why? Because the need was not bread at outside Lazarus' tomb. What is the need outside Lazarus' tomb? Resurrection was the need. So what did, what did they have to see Jesus as? Resurrection. You got it. Did they have to do anything? They just had to see Jesus as a resurrection. That is why Jesus carefully used the word saying that I am the resurrection and the life. You got it? No. So they, were clo they had clothes. But they had to put it on by choice. So they, they could open their eyes to the tree of life and receive the clothes immediately. Because they, who, is the, who is the tree of life? Jesus. So what are their clothes? What is their clothes? The clothes is the righteousness of God. Jesus. That your, the man's clothes are his righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus are your clothes, brothers and sisters. That's what you are your clothed for. It is being called throughout the Bible as fine linen, white garments, all the time. Even in a resurrection, you always have your clothes on. What clothes are these? White garments, the clothes of righteousness. So, before they open their eyes, they open their eyes to the tree of life. The moment they open the tree of life, the tree of life, the, sorry, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, pronounce them what? Guilty. Let's read this. Let's, so, I, don't, I know it's a little deep, but 
but I, for, you, for you it's very important to understand the importance of clothes in the Bible. It's so important. Clothes are so important. I'm telling you, I, you, you will, after the session, you'll be like, you'll have a new profound respect for clothes. You will see clothes like you've never seen before. After I'd taken the session and I'd, 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 I'd meditated last session and I was having my quiet time, I'm seeing clothes everywhere. It's just opening up everywhere. Passages that never made sense make sense for me right now because the clothes is essential for creation. Your clothes determines your destiny. Your clothes determines your inheritance. Your clothes determines how, what you walk in and the victory that you walk in. Clothes are so critical. Satan has my authority on you when you put on the right clothes. <laughs> this might not so, I don't know whether you ever had a clothing session, but today you will see clothing in new life. Okay, look at what he says. Butt of the tree. So their eyes were opened, correct? So the moment their eyes were opened, so now their eyes are open. So now what happened? Because their eyes were not open to Jesus, and their eyes were open to the tree of life, they saw themselves as naked. So they saw themselves naked. They never got clothes on. Because their clothes could only be received by seeing Jesus. They never got their clothes on. Now they are condemned. Correct? Now they are naked. Now it's a problem. Now if they take off the tree of life and eat, what will happen to them? They will live naked forever. That was a bigger problem for God than you opening your eyes. Because now he, that is why he, he blocked access to the tree and he said, you cannot come in. Because now if you come, you stay naked forever. God can never use death as a solution. You know, death is a solution. You know, uh, the other day I was saying, Bobby, let me ask you this question. Do you know salvation? I was saying in the middle the other day. Saying, do you know when you accept Jesus, see, everyone is appointed to die because of sin. Correct? Correct? Do you believe that everyone is appointed to die because of sin? Everyone is appointed to die before sin. Everyone has to die. But they are all dying slowly. Do you agree with me? When man sinned, he started to die that day. Correct? Did he die the same day? No, but he started to die, right? He's all dead. How, how, long, will it, how long will he die? Die? How long will... Okay. So he physically dies. What happens if he physically dies? Will he continue to die? He does. Why? You, don't you go to hell? Are you not dying? What happens in hell? What does the Bible say about hell? Jesus' words. Uh, place of hell is a place where what two things are mentioned? Passion of teeth is there. Bobby is like one of the dentist kind. Okay, we're talking about the teeth right now. Boy, there are bigger problems in hell than teeth. Okay. The spirit never dies. The spirit world. doesn't die. No. Yeah. Spirit will all. Yeah, spirit doesn't die because we are all eternal spirits. No, no. What doesn't die? Come on. The worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. Think about it. Hell is so bad. Because you are dead, you continue to die. Your punishment is never over. Right? Your punishment never ends. Because you can never pay back the punishment. So it never ends. Think about it. Your punishment never ends. Prasad, not yours. Okay? <laughs> People who don't believe in Jesus, their punishment never ends. 
Because it's not because they believe in Jesus, because they are paying the penalty for whose sin? They have sin. They are not paying the penalty for not believing in Jesus. Jesus is the firefighter who came to save your house which is on fire. He's not the one who set you on fire. You got it? Right. So the punishment never ends. So what happens? The worm does not die. Why does the worm does not die in hell? Have you thought about it? Because it cannot finish paying the price. It continues to eat at you, eat at you, eat at you. So when it finishes eating you, that means what happens? The punishment is over, correct? But on, in hell, your punishment is never over because you can never finish paying the penalty for your sins. Guys, brothers and sisters, in hell, you cannot finish paying the price. If you could finish paying the price, at least there is some hope. Okay, 1000 years later, worm has finished eating me. At least the price is paid. But the Bible says, no, the price cannot be paid. The worm will never finish eating you. What about the fire? What does the Bible say about hellfire? Will never be quenched. Why will it not be quenched? See, let me ask you a question. This house will not be put on fire. <laughs> if there is, if there is, if there is a house that's on fire, when will the fire stop, Prasad? When everything is burnt. Why will it? Why does it stop after everything is burnt? What? Is it? But from a fire's aspect, why, 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 should, why does the fire stop? It's consumed everything or there is no more fuel for the fire. But the Bible says in hell, fire cannot stop because it is never finished consuming you. Because there is still material to burn. Think about it. There is still material to burn. You are so evil. Not you. <laughs> Your unregenerated body self is so evil that it just cannot be finished there is still material to pay it's like so you're like a man who had a debt of a billion dollars you pay back two million dollars you come back to the master finish paying you say no 900 and something billion more to go you come back the next year i paid two million more how much more to go still go you can never finish the fire never quenches that is the reason the word says the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched so obviously this death is eternal, correct? So when you sin, death is slow, but it is progressive and it is eternal. Are you clear on it? Your penalty for sin is not, cannot be finished pay. Because sin is, the wages of sin is death, this is eternal. So when you believe in Jesus, this is the good news, this is exciting. I don't know whether you ever heard of salvation as like this. Salvation is deciding to Jump onto the death boat and finish it faster. Like, I have, instead of dying slowly for eternity, let me die once for all. And who provides this once for all death? Hallelujah. You're, 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 not, you're not getting saved when you accept Jesus. Yes, you are. You make sense? But before you get saved, what, hap what, what has to happen to you? You have to die in Jesus. But, but you don't go through the prolonged death. What happened? Jesus provided you this one death, once for all, done. Accelerated death. So if you want to accept, ask people to die, say, instead of dying slowly, why don't you die quickly? Isn't death good? Because now you can die fast and finish it. That is why Jesus on the cross, when he said, it is finished. 
That was the only sacrifice where the worm had finished consuming him. The fire had completely burned and yet he remained because there was not, there was more righteousness in that body than sin. That is power. So God has, God gives you a choice. Why don't you jump into the death of Jesus and accelerate your death and go past the bridge? Or stay without deciding to die yourself forever. Man, I will take the fast track death in Christ Jesus. How, how about you? Hallelujah. So is death good? I never thought death has been good. Death is good as long as it is fast. Who provided you this fast death? Thank you, Jesus. Gave you this fast that so now God, when see, when 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 God, when the God the Father looks at you and he says, You are saved, he's why does he say that you are saved? Uh, let me ask you this question. Why does God the Father think say, say that you are saved? I like that, but that's all religious jargon. But from a very legal argument, why does he think that you are now saved? Because the payment is done. Because who died? Jesus. Jesus. No. Jesus. You died. <laughs> see, see, he's just. See, he's a just lawyer. He's a just lawyer. He's a just judge. He say, he say, you decided to go fast track and die. So you die. Bobby, you died. Jordan, you died. Joseph, you died in Christ Jesus. God has credited the death of Jesus. He's credited it to you. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's done. It's fast track death. You jumped on it. You got over with it. And God says, you paid the penalty for your sin. I know you didn't pay it. But you decided to identify yourself with the death of Jesus. I treat it as if you already paid the price. Now, death, now you are on which ground? Burned ground or unburned ground? Burned ground. On the burned ground, what cannot touch you? Fire. Fire cannot touch you. Why? Burnt. Burnt ground. You live, you are living on burnt ground. <laughs> is that good news? We are live, you are living on a ground that is burnt. You cannot burn a ground again. Hallelujah. You are across the Jordan, but you paid the price. Now you see, legally, that is why God had to protect the tree of life. Because for him now, death, which Satan thought was uh, uh, against man, God was now protecting to use it for, against whom? Satan. But he wanted death to remain that who can go through and get cut? Jesus. Hallelujah. So powerful. It's so powerful. Atonement. Burnt ground. That is why on this ground the worm will never worm is cannot burn you because the Bible says Psalms 22. I am I am a worm, O Lord. I am not a man. Who is talking this? Jesus on the cross. Eli, Eli, why have you forsaken me? Psalms 22. Remember we all talk about Psalms 23? Psalms 23 is all this, Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down. How did that happen? How did he get all this benefit of Psalms 23? 
Because of 22. Because in 22 somebody said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am a worm and not a man. The bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. They gape at me. I can calm my bones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He provided you the death. That death is powerful. Okay. That's a sidetrack from atonement. But clothes. Okay. So what, what he said. So it saw that your eyes would be open and you'd be like. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. I've always studied. We studied that passage many times. We said. Why were the trees made to be good to look at? You know the Bible made said the trees were primarily first. Look at the verse. This. this is powerful. See, none of the words are wasted. Are you all, are you all, are you all excited about this? Okay, are you all getting there? I know it's a, it can be a little tedious, but I want you to get a foundation of this understanding of your clothes. Let's start off with that. Let's look at Genesis chapter one verses nine, and. Now, out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is Genesis chapter 2 verses 2. Genesis chapter 2 verses 9. See, he made every tree grow out that is what? First, if I was God, I would make good for food first. Because why would you make trees that are pleasant to sight? Because he is, his plan is what? If I can make the trees good to look at, what will happen? Yes! And you will look at it! Because when you look at it, what will happen? You like the tree, you eat the fruit, and what will happen? Your eyes will be open. See, his primary goal in making trees is so that they will be looked at because he wanted them to look at Jesus. Beholding Jesus. His always intention right from creation was they will get their clothes from beholding my son. The moment they say Jesus, they will get his righteousness as a gift. His clothes. Because they are born with this righteousness but they have to choose by choice to see Jesus or see the tree of life. See, only God can look at the tree of life and still be able to keep it. See, when God looks at the tree, knowledge of good and evil, what does he see? Because didn't God say after the sin, no, this, is deep, this is deep, didn't God say, they have become like us? Ah, and we always skip over that verse because it's so uncomfortable because you cannot explain it. <laughs> it's almost like, see, Satan, Satan had a point. There was something that was still missing. How many of you have caught that and never brought it up? Satan always had a point. God did not make them exactly like them and there was something missing. Come on. How many of you have thought about it never brought it up because you don't want to be like, What? But it is true. What did God say? They have become like us, knowing good and evil. So when God looks at the tree of life, and he can look at the tree of life, because even the tree of life is good to look at. How do we know that? Eve, every tree is pleasant, and Eve saw the tree that it was good for good to look at. Look at verse this. Verse 6. 
Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. See, look at the word. The tree, when we saw that the tree was good for food. Keep reading. And it was pleasant to the eyes. Who made it pleasant to the eyes? God made it pleasant. Why would he make it pleasant to the eyes? Because God made all trees pleasant to the eyes. We just read it in Genesis chapter 2. So, so who was in the middle of the tree of life? The law of God. The law of God. This knowledge of good and evil is the law. Because the law is the one which will tell you what is good, what is bad. Correct? It's the law of God. And Jesus Christ. Both are beautiful to look at. Isn't the law good? Psalm 119 says the law of the Lord. Yeah, can you can you somebody say that was the law of the Lord is good, good and perfect, and what else? Reviving the soul. So the law of the Lord is perfect. It's beautiful to look at. But what do you see when you look into the law of God? Let me repeat the question. What do you see when you look into the law of God? It sees you. How bad you are or how good you are. So if you are guilty, it will show you as perfectly guilty. Because it's a perfect law. Perfect mirror. It's a beautiful, flawless mirror. So we have gone to this palace of the mirrors in Versailles, in Paris. It's just, uh, this beautiful palace is very rich and a lot of gold. Everything, everything that you see gold is gold. Okay. It's not painted. <laughs> that thing is rich. So there is this main hall called the Hall of Mirrors. It's like mirrors. They made mirrors in those days, right? 1200s, 1200s and 1300s. They made these mirrors, which was, I, I think, silver, uh, plated, whatever they made them. But those mirrors are starting to grow old. You can start to see. But the law of God is a perfect mirror. It's perfect. I mean, you, if you look at it, you will not know there's a mirror there because it will reflect you perfectly back. But when God looks into the law of God, what does he see? He sees perfection. So when God sees himself in the law of God, what does he see? It's perfection. So who could keep that law of God? Only him. So now when, when God said man has become like us, he's saying in what way? They can see themselves perfectly. But the problem is what? They see themselves perfectly naked. Got it. When they said that they have become like us, means their eyes are opened and they can see perfectly. Just like God can see perfectly. But the problem with man is he doesn't want to perfectly see his blemishes. <laughs> like a woman. How do you see yourself? Like from far. Far, right? I mean, you don't you don't see like this. You're like do I look good? Don't, don't come close. Back up. How do you see yourself in a mirror? Come on. Have you ever seen yourself in the car mirror? <laughs> if you ever got a chance, you look at it, the car mirror. Oh my goodness. What, what is all these spots in my face? You know, are things that I've never thought have occurred. I don't want to see. I don't want to see perfectly. I do not want to see perfectly. But unfortunately, you are like God right now. You can see perfectly, but you can see perfectly your nakedness. So 
how does God solve that problem? So first he has to now take care of the sin problem, correct? He has to take care of your nakedness, correct? But before he can take care of your nakedness, he has to take care of your your stain of sin. You're naked. You're not only naked. Now, before sin, they were naked. But they did not have sin. Now, after sin, they are naked and they have sin. And they don't look good. They don't look good. See, if they had no sin and they looked themselves in the perfect law of liberty, in, in the law, they would have seen themselves naked but not without any blemish. But now they see themselves naked. That is the first response that they did after they sinned was, what were they do, trying to do? They were going shopping for clothes. Think about it. So shopping is a God put in desire to cover yourself. Do you think about it? That's why women can never be satisfied. <laughs> they are like let loose because they are constantly trying to cover themselves. Because they, they finish covering themselves like one time, they get bored. They want to cover themselves with something new. Because there is the inherent need in a man and a woman to cover themselves with what? With glory. It's there because we are designed to have clothes on us. Think about it. But that clothes are not to be done with what you wear. <laughs> this is not what is going to cut it. This is going to run out. Therefore, they tried to cover it. The first thing they did after they were sinned was they wanted to put clothes. They wanted to get clothes on. Because they saw in the mirror and they didn't like what they saw. So God's question to them was what? Who told you you are naked? So God, who told them that they were naked? No. Their eyes told them they were naked. So God had to solve this problem of what? Their nakedness. Their nakedness. He cannot just tell them, oh, don't worry, just close your eyes. Think nothing has changed. What's changed? Let me ask you, what's changed? They were naked before, they are naked now. But what's changed? Their revelation. Their eyes were open, but their eyes were open without their clothes on. If their eyes were open and they had their clothes on, do you think they would be like, Wow! Look at me! I look good! God had to clothe them with the righteousness of the land. But they messed up before they could get their clothes, they opened their eyes to the law. Now God had to take care of the clothes. But before he can get your clothes, he had to pay the price for it. And that's why the previous message that he had, peace, your inheritance, that was the key. He had to take care of the problem of peace. He had to care of the penalty. Who's going to pay this? You can't just get free clothes. You can, who's going to pay for this? <laughs> who's going to pay for this? You want clothes, that's fine, but who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? So you have to take care of the penalty issue. But now that the penalty has been paid, do you think the essential question still remains? Where are my clothes? So God said, go back to creation. Open your eyes right now. You opened your eyes to the law. Now, is your eyes open right now? Yes, sir. Yes. yes. Now he says, with your eyes open, now look at what? Jesus. Jesus. What do you see when you look at Jesus? Perfection. Perfection. That means what are, what are you? Perfect. Because who is Jesus? Jesus is a mirror. Who defines Jesus as a mirror? The law. No. <laughs> 
James. The James. Remember James? You know James? Have you read James? Okay. You guys are leaders, so I know this is not Sunday morning service, okay? But I, I hope you all are getting this theology. Understand the logic, the, the basis on your faith. Like James chapter... Uh, James chapter 1 25 You'll have to change your translation <laughs> yeah. You'll have to get rid of that <laughs> Translation. Okay, let's take a New King James Version. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Okay, verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Correct. One is the law, the other is the perfect law of liberty. Is the law of God a law of liberty? No. The law of God is a law of bondage. Remember it was putting everybody into bondage? Right? That's why Jesus said, I have not brought you back into bondage. I, he, the law of God is a bondage because it's always making you what? Guilty. He's making you under bondage. What, what is the perfect law of liberty then? Jesus. Jesus is the perfect law of liberty. So he says, if you go under the law, it's like a mirror. You look at it, but if you don't do it, it pronounces you guilty. He said, why don't you come over to the perfect law of liberty mirror and continue, and everything else is italics, and continue, and not a forgetful? See, in the previous word, it is what? You're supposed to be a? Doer. This one it is a hearer. In the perfect law of liberty, it only tells you stuff. It doesn't tell you to do anything. Guys, do you see the difference? In the perfect law of liberty, it declares something to you. What is it declaring back to you? You are righteous, just like Jesus is righteous. You are righteous. Like you. It's like every day you go back into this perfect law of liberty mirror in the morning, into the face of Jesus. And this face of Jesus tells you back again, just as I am in, in heaven, so are you on the earth. I am righteous in heaven, so you are righteous on the earth. You are perfectly righteous, just like I am perfectly. I am perfectly righteous. So this perfect law. So he says, if you continue in this, and continue to hear this, Annie, if you continue to hear this, see, continue to hear who continues in it, perfect liberty, continues and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all that you do. He, if you continue in this hearing, of what hearing? That you are perfect. So it's, it's a perfect law of liberty. So it's never condemning you. How do we know that? It's saying it's liberty, right? Liberty means it, you think that you are in bondage, it comes and says, no, your sins are forgiven. Every time you feel guilty before Jesus, you come to Jesus, Jesus says, no, you are forgiven. Because it's constantly setting you free. Whom the sun sets free is? Free. 
Feeling dead. So he's the perfect law of liberty. But says, if you walk away from looking at Jesus in the morning and during the day you feel condemned, you are being what? No. No, you are condemned. But what, what's happening? You are a forgetful hearer. Just as this verse is. In the morning you heard something. During the day you forgot it. And now you are condemned. And you are needed. Now God says, I will clothe you with the righteousness of Jesus as a gift. But I want you to constantly see Jesus. You constantly see Jesus. Because the moment you see Jesus, what happens? What are you clothed with? Righteousness. So in the daytime you feel condemned. Why? Because you have forgotten that in the morning you looked into the perfect law of liberty. And now you are a double-minded man. You are not sure that you are righteous. Which is what James is saying. You don't be a double-minded man because then you cannot get anything. If you want something in life, you have to believe what? You are righteous. But how, how can you feel that you are righteous? Huh? You look at Jesus. Like for example, you say, I messed up today. But you say, Jerry, don't worry. I know you messed up. Why don't you look at me? I say, you look up at Jesus in heaven right now. And you say, man, he's so beautiful. He's so perfect. There is no blemish in him. He's so wonderful. There's no sin in him. And the moment you, you see that, all of creation looks at you as what you now saw in Jesus. He says, and all of creation says, man, Jerry, he's so beautiful. He's so perfect. There's no blemish in him. That's what he says. Because, but that is the truth. But you don't see it because your eyes are opened to the law of God constantly. But now you don't, you don't fail the penalty of it because Jesus has paid the price. But you cannot live victory victoriously because you are not willing to receive the benefits of this righteousness. Make sense? Okay. I want you to go to Zechariah chapter 3 verse 3. How critical is clothes? Let's read Zechariah chapter 3 verse 3. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 3. Zechariah verse 3 verse 3. And then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of God and Satan standing at the right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So he's talking about Joshua. And Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. And let him put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. And they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. See? So here is a believer. Joshua. The Bible says, he is, Satan is accusing him. Why is Satan accusing him? He has filthy clothes. See? Garments where the, Satan knows that once you are naked or you have filthy garments. Filthy garments means it is not the righteousness of Jesus. It is your righteousness. Because Jesus, the righteous, man's righteousness is like filthy garments. So who's, who, what, is, what is Joshua wearing? Joshua is a believer. Correct? He is a high priest of Israel. 
Correct? But he is clothed with what? Self-righteousness. And how does that self-righteousness appear to all of heaven? Filthy garments. Because of that, what's happening on the earth? The nation is under turmoil. The, ter the temple is not built. The country is overrun. Just because of a wardrobe malfunction? How important clothes are? Yes. Because the moment he had filthy garments on, Satan was standing there to accuse him. And because Satan was accusing him, that means on the earth, he was having power against Joshua, the high priest. So, so God solves the problem. He says, take away the filthy garments. Put him on a new garments. And he identifies filthy garments and removing the clean garments as what? How does he define it? See, I have removed your iniquity from you. You got it? That means, what is he saying? You are? You are righteous. That means, what, is, what was Joshua's clothes? The righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He got that as a gift because it was not his righteousness. But yet he says what Jesus says, he's a brand that has been plucked out out of the fire. Wow, that's so beautiful. Because why was he plucked out of the fire? He was a brand that was plucked out of the fire. When you sin, you are material for what? For fire. You are a, you are a twig that is designed to be consumed by what? By fire. So who was Joshua in? Joshua's testimony is what? He's a brand plucked up from the fire. Correct? That means is he a believer or not? Yes, because he's plucked out from the fire. This is how he looks at you. He looks at Bobby, you, as isn't she a brand that is plucked up from the fire? That means she has been saved from this penalty of hell. That she was fodder. She was dry wood. There was nothing green in her. That's how the Bible defines sin. He taught Israel, Israel, are you not a degenerate wine that is just good enough for fire? That's how God calls in Jeremiah, calls uh, Israel. He said, you're a degenerate wine. I cannot even use you for furniture. You know, wine, wine. <laughs> Have you seen any furniture made out of wine? <laughs> wine. No, the yeah, grape wine, not the wine, the stem of stem of the wine, stem of the grapes, the wine. You see anything made out of wine? What is it used for? Huh? No, 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 no. Hold on. Not the stem. The stem of the. <laughs> I'm the branches. I'm the wine, and you are the branches. Okay, what are the branches of the wine useful for? Holding the fruit, okay. I don't know whether it holds fruit. I don't see it holding. It produces stuff. But but I think, what do you use it for? I don't think it, it's it's curved. It's it's curved. You cannot use it to hit anything. You can no use. The, that is precise. With with the wine, grape wine. This. No 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 something. Some sticks are good for hitting. But the wine, the branches of the wine are of no use. That is why Jesus said, I am the wine and you are the branches. Lest you glorify yourself. Because you are of no use except to? No. <laughs> you are of one use. They use wine branches. 
to start fire, okay. to burn. That's all you use. You can only be used. That's why the Bible says, in my flesh profits no good thing. Because your flesh is like the branches of the wild. It can only produce the fruit, but it by itself, that's why Jesus, that principle, asked, without me you can do nothing. Because like, you're of no use. I cannot use you. Make furniture out of you. Yeah. Think about that wine branches. No use at all. Your only benefit is if I am connected to you. Right. If my life flows through you, you'll produce fruit. But by yourself, you're a branch. He says, is he not a brand that is plucked out of the fire? That means he, he was getting ready for punishment and to be fully consumed forever. <coughs> but I plucked him out. But now he having been plucked out, is he righteous? Yes, but why is he wearing his filthy garments? That means what is Joshua doing right now? He is condemned because he has clothed himself with his righteousness. So what is the solution that God has? Clothe them with righteousness of my son Jesus Christ. And that's why he says the same name, Joshua. means Yeshua. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go here quickly. Job chapter 29. Job chapter 29 verses 13 to 15. This, this is how filthy garments are put on. Job chapter explains it. So Job is putting what on as his garment? Yes. But what, what did Job put on as his garment? Let's read verse 14. Yes. So clothing is essentially got to do with what? Brood here. Brood here. It's clothing. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. So, and then, just, just so that you are aware that it is not the righteousness of Jesus Christ, he defines what his righteousness according to his own mouth is. What is his righteousness? My justice. My justice. Okay, keep reading. It is not. It's not. It's my, my, it's my justice. Correct? I was eyes to the blind. I took care of the blind. I was father to the poor. I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim out. So he's saying, all, all that I did. So whose righteousness is this? But is it good? Good works? Kind of. But it's filthy. Guys, it's filthy. When you wear filthy garments, I'm 
tell you, this is deep. Yeah. When you wear filthy garments, who stands to accuse you? And did Satan stand to accuse Job? And what happened? Did God have control over Satan? No! Because he is operating under his righteousness at that point of time. He is a brand that is plucked out of the fire, therefore Satan could not. This is so powerful. Do you get this the mystery of Job just open up? So Job was righteous in God's eyes, correct? But in his eyes, his righteousness came from where? From God or from himself? Himself. But from God's eyes, was he righteous? How do we know that? He said to Satan, behold a man, is there anything wicked in him? Because in God's eyes, he's righteous, he's perfect. But in his eyes, is he righteous? Yes. But whose righteousness is he righteous in? His own righteousness. How do we know it? Just saw it. He just read it. He just read it. Do you get it? So the so so he's a brand that is plucked out of from the fire. Why? Because he's escaped punishment. Correct? Therefore, Satan cannot touch him. How? Satan cannot touch him in what sense? Now listen. Take his life. Take his life. Why cannot Satan take his life? Man, this revelation is going to be so free. No, 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 no. He's pulled out of fire just like you are on burnt ground. How can you burn something that is burnt? It's burnt. So because he was sacrificing, God accepted his sacrifice. He's participating. He's, he, he took up on God's offer saying that I will not die slowly. I will die quickly. How did he prove that? He kept offering animals. Because how did the animals die? Quickly. See, salvation is willing to die quickly. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw it in that way. Salvation is willing to die quickly in the death of Jesus Christ. So, this is powerful. So, so he's a brand that has been plucked out of the fire. Yes or no? Correct? Satan cannot take his life. Because his life has already been taken in Christ Jesus. Right? But, and God sees him righteous. He sees himself righteous. But he sees himself righteous with his righteousness. So that opens up for all evil in the world. Yet, he cannot die. That is the place of a believer who puts on 30 garments. And you said these verses, this is why Job had problems. Problems. Because he was depending on his righteousness and God, Satan saw a way. Satan always sees a way when you put on filthy garments about your righteousness. Like Peter tried to do this. Peter said this, this exact words. Lord, if all forsake you, I will not forsake you. What is he putting on? No, no. What is he putting on? What is he saying? Come on. In base language, in a very simple way, what is he saying? Huh? What's that? I am better. Correct. Tell it. Tell it. I am better than them. I am more righteous than them. Correct? That's what he's saying. That means he's depending on whose righteousness? His own. What did Jesus say? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked me to sift you as wheat. Why does Satan suddenly have access to Peter? Because he's clothed with filthy garments. But in his eyes, he's righteous because he's willing to die. At that point of time, is 
Peter telling a lie? No. No. But he is depending on his flesh to accomplish his righteousness. But his flesh is a wine that is ready to be consumed. And Satan knows it. And Satan says, Jesus, he is the Lord of the whole world. Satan says, he is not depending on your clothes. He just depended on his clothes. I have access to him. Satan says, Jesus says, could Jesus stop Satan from accessing Peter? Why? Because he had a legal right. He is depending now not on the death of Jesus Christ or the righteousness of Jesus Christ to live a victorious life. He is depending on his works. So Satan has full access. So Jesus, so Peter has to constantly, if you want to stay clothed in your relationship, you are already clothed. But for you to know that you are clothed, you have to open your eyes to whom? Which voice should you see here every day? Jesus, which tells you that you are righteous. If you go to Satan, if you go to the world, if you go to your spouse, if you go to your friends to get your affirmation of your righteousness, you are going to be disappointed. If you depend on your own efforts to declare yourself righteous, you are going to be disappointed. If you depend on your works to affirm your righteousness, you are going to fall short. And you will open yourself up for testing. He says, don't open yourself up for Job. So Job started. So how did Job realize that he, it was not his righteousness, his rights, his garments were filthy? When did he realize that his garments were filthy? Did he not say the same words, righteousness has clothed me? Yes or no? Yes. Correct? So how, when did he realize that he had filthy clothes on? Let's go and read. When Jesus shows up to Job. Did you know Jesus showed up to Job? Look at Job chapter, Job chapter 42. Jesus shows up and starts talking to him. Job, Jesus started from verse 38. The Lord, Lord is Yahweh, not Father God. Father God is Elohim. Much, much of when it is referred to. But Lord Yahweh is the revealed son of God in the Old Testament. It's Yahweh, it's Yeshua. It's Yeshua shows up, Yeshua comes and starts talking to him. Abbas tells him, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man and I'll question you and you shall answer me. Okay, he tells him about all his works. Okay, finally, look at Job chapter 42. Look at verse 5. Jesus, he saw 
his righteousness as what? Filthy. And he saw what? He himself as righteous in Christ Jesus. The moment he saw Jesus, God told what? Restore. Because now he had whose garments on? Because why? He heard him or he? Seen him. Beholding Jesus made him like Jesus. Now he has whose righteousness on? Jesus' righteousness. Now he attracts double favor from everybody. He gets double the cattle, double the house, double the this, everything. What his righteousness, he could get only half, now he gets double. He got half with his righteousness, but he attracted persecution. Now he gets what? Double the blessing. It's amazing. His eyes saw it. Because you see how he clothed himself with justice and he cleansed. Do you see this revelation? The Bible is a parable that is it's hidden. It's clear. If you don't see it, you miss it. And you will take the same book of Job and condemn yourself. Oh, how through suffering we, uh, God persecutes good things. Why do good things, bad things happen to good people? No! Why do bad things happen to people who are blind? Do you see, Satan cannot kill you, but he can destroy your life because you are wearing filthy garments. You are depending on your works to cover yourself. Is clothes important? Sure it's important. Clothes are important because clothes is what attracts the favor of God in your life. Let me repeat and I want you to get this very clear. If you want to reign as a king on the earth, you better wear robe. Let me repeat. This is powerful. Are you all ready? If you want to reign as kings on the earth, you better wear the robes of a king. Your wardrobe is your most important possession on the earth. It's so important that the Bible closes with a wardrobe warning. Behold, I come quickly. Let him who watch, watch, lest he be found naked. That's how the Bible closes. He says, don't forget your clothes. Don't forget your clothes. Whose clothes is this? My righteousness. Wear it. Wear my righteousness. Now let's go to Esther chapter 5. I want you to go to Esther chapter 5. I want you to see the power of clothes. Okay, Esther chapter 5. Esther chapter 5. Now, get it? Esther chapter 5. Let's read. This is amazing. Look at this. Do you see this? Do you see this Bible? See Esther chapter 5. Long time back in my quiet time, I marked this pink. And I didn't even know this until I just opened it right now. 
Look at, look at the revelation in that verse. Esther chapter 5. Esther is a picture. By the way, Esther is a parable. Okay, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Esther is the church. Okay? Mordecai is like Jesus. His works gave Esther the favor. That's how it is. Haman is Satan. And the king is Father God. Now if you understand that picture, the whole Esther just opens up. It's a parable. It's not about Esther and the king and all. It's a whole parable, okay? It's all about the church of Jesus Christ, okay? Now this is how the church of Jesus Christ is. Esther chapter 5 verse 1. Now it happened on which day? Which day are you living right now? Which day are you living right now? No. Yeah, the third day. One year, one day is like a thousand years. So we are living in the third day. This is a prophetic picture of the church. On the third day, the church, what will happen to the church? Will put on her royal robes and stand there in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house. The robes take you where? Robes take you into the inner court of across the king's house in the palace. Your robes takes you right into where favor resides. You got it? You understand it? On the third day, Esther put on robes. And that robes took her where? In the inner court. And stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house. Look at the emphasis. While the king sat on the royal throne. Where is our king sitting right now? On the royal throne. Where are you right now when you put on the robes of righteousness? You're in the inner court. Across the king's throne. The king facing you. So what's happening between you and the king? You are face to face. But he's sitting on the throne. You're on his royal robes. Amen? What happens when you put on royal robes and you're in the inner court? What happens? Say, favor happens. Say, favor happens. I'm telling you, this is so huge. If you put on the robes of righteousness, all of creation's favor starts flowing towards you like a flowing stream. Automatic. It's robes that matter. Robes attract all favor in the world. You put on robes, you show, you stand in the middle of, in the inner court. Look at what happened to Esther. In the royal robe facing the entrance of the house. So verse 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor. favor. Robes bring favor. The moment he got favor, the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of his scepter. And what did king say? What is your wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. All because of robes? Yes. Because now you are not coming in filthy garments before the king. You are coming in the royal robes of righteousness of the king himself. That is why Jesus said when a, a parable about a king who, would, who had a feast and he gave them all garments to wear before he comes in. But one guy refused to wear the king's garments, went in with his own garments. What did the king do to him? He put him in outer darkness. 
darkness with there was weeping and crashing for a water malfunction why because you can now you are deciding that your righteousness will take you all the way that means you have to continue to pay the price that is punishment you depend on the christ righteousness by how do you get the righteousness of jesus christ how do you get this rose beholding jesus beholding jesus you get clothed because i just showed you from genesis the clothes come by seeing him hallelujah okay now let's go this let's this is beautiful this is beautiful let's look at this Okay, read Isaiah. Isaiah chapter twenty-two. Isaiah chapter twenty-two, verses twenty-one. Isaiah chapter twenty twenty-two. This is what Jesus did. Remember Jonathan and David. when they entered into a covenant they exchanged their clothes david got his jonathan's clothes and jonathan gave his clothes to david as an exchange of covenant so obviously if you got jesus's clothes garments what happened to your garments jesus took your garments you got it the moment you exchange garments you exchanged outcomes repeat after me when i exchanged garments i exchanged outcomes the outcome that was due to me went to jesus the outcome that was due to jesus came to me do you get it when you exchange garments you exchange outcomes are you guys getting it yes. when you exchange garments you exchange outcomes the uh, jesus god god is prophesying this event of exchanging of garments and look at what he says and it shall be in that day he's talking about the day of jesus christ let's read isaiah chapter 22 it shall be in that day i will ca- call my servant eliakim the set apart one the son of hilikia i will clothe him with your robe i will strengthen him with your belt so he says i will give jesus your clothes i will give jesus your belt is that good garments no filthy garments correct but when you exchange garments it exchanges outcomes now you attract all judgment towards you correct and what he says I, I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. Oh my goodness! Do you see this? The moment you exchange garments, your outcomes becomes his outcomes. What what is due you becomes his responsibility. Hallelujah! That means your penalty for your sin is his responsibility. 
your mistakes, who is going to pay for your mistakes? Let me tell you, children. I agree, you made this mistake. Well, who's going to pay for it? So he should say, you have my clothes, you pay for it. <laughs> That's what you do. When now Satan comes and tells you, who's going to pay for this? You should say, I exchange wardrobes with Jesus. My outcome is his responsibility. Do you get this? Why does when clothes change, responsibility changes? Because you by choice decided to give your garments to Jesus. You see that? Underline that. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of David. The key of the house of David I will lay it on his shoulder. That means he's responsible. He shall open and no one shall shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. Where do you hear that words? Revelation, Jesus saying, I am the one who has the key of David. So he's talking obviously about Jesus. That means he will open. And I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place. And he will become a glorious throne in his father's house. On that day, says the Lord of hosts, that peg that is fastened in the secure place will be removed and cut down and fall. And the burden that was on it will be cut off for, oh my goodness. I hope you can see this revelation. What he's saying is, I will make Jesus like a big peg. You know what's a peg, right? In India, in like old, a big it's like a peg where you can put your garments on, your clothes on. Jesus is the peg that God had designed to be hung in Israel and in the world. That all your uncleanness, your filthy garments, your sin, your payments, your yoke, your burden, your demon possession, your evil, your poverty. He says, come and put it on this peg. Put it on this peg. And then what I will do? I will cut the peg off. Wow. <laughs> Why? Because on the day of Calvary, he was cut off. And the yoke was completely removed. So he's so cool. Jesus is, God is so cool. He said, bring, I have to take care of your bag, dirty laundry. I cannot destroy your dirty laundry unless I put it on a peg. I will put it on this peg called Jesus my son. And then I will cut him off. And he will bear the responsibility of your dirty laundry. And in that, I've taken care of bad clothes problem forever. Isn't that cool? <coughs> Everybody. Verse 24. They will hang on him all the glory of your father's house. What glory? <laughs> what glory does it wear that we have? Nothing. All. All our glory. Means all our righteousness. All our glory. And the offering on the posture, all the vessels of small quality from the small to the big pictures. Every vessel. That means every person is on that peg. And God is going to cut off that peg. And he will take care of the problem of evil in your life. Legally. Isn't that beautiful? So when you exchange wardrobes, you exchange outcomes. Do you want to know that in, in, the, in a battle in Israel, there's a beautiful picture of this actually happening. Do you want to see this? Let's see. Now, now suddenly clothes will open up in your Bible. How clothes are so important. Now, Bible says, why is God, the Holy Spirit, put all these instances in the Bible about clothes and stuff like that? Now you'll understand why. Because it's a deeper spiritual principle about righteousness that you have to wear. Okay, I want you to go to, uh, let's go to, 1st Kings chapter 22. 1st Kings chapter 22. 
First Kings chapter 22. Go to First Kings chapter 22, verses 29. Okay, I'm going to set this battle. Here is king of Israel, who is an evil king, and king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, which is, he's a believer. Okay, you got this? Two kings, it's a divided kingdom. King of Israel is an evil king. King of Judah, Jehoshaphat, is a believer. Correct? He believes in the Yahweh God of Israel. Correct? They both agree. The king of Israel makes a scheme, calls Judah to help him. And Judah, Jehoshaphat feels nice about it that king of Israel is asking me. Though it's an evil king, but he's asking me. But king of Israel knows that God has been blessing Jehoshaphat. And whichever battle he goes, they win. Correct? So he said, okay, let's go both. Why don't you fight for me? God doesn't like this idea. Correct? But because they're going, it's happening. Okay. So the king of Israel, let's read verse 29. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat... The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into the battle, but you put on your robes. So what is he saying? He, he's a sneaky guy. He said, I will disguise myself and go into the battle, but you put on your robes. Why? Because if they want to attack you, they'll find you and they will kill you. So, in, Israel, in the king of Israel's eyes, the robes are a liability or an asset. Did you get it? In the eyes of the king of Israel, who is not a believer, the clothes are a liability or asset. Liability. Which clothes? The king's robes. Which is a picture of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Correct? Is that a liability or an asset? It's a liability for him. Correct? So he thought if he doesn't wear the king's robes, he will escape. But Jehoshaphat, did he remove his clothes? No. He took his robes with in the battle. Let's see what happened. The power of clothes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. And then see, the king of Syria has commanded 32 captains of the chariot saying, fight with no one great or small, but only with the king of Israel. So it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, surely this is the king of Israel. Therefore they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and it happened when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. And a certain man, has to happen, drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Between the joints of the armor, a random man threw, threw a random bow arrow and a random arrow went accurately between the joints of the armor and killed the king of Israel. 
finally he died. The story goes. What was this arrow hunting for? A random arrow by a random man found a perfect target. What target was this? What guided missile is this arrow hunting for? It's hunting for a naked man. You may think that you can go into this battle of this world without the robes of righteousness and you think that you will escape being attracted by Satan. You are wrong. This robe of righteousness is what is going to keep you in the battle. This robe of righteousness is going to give you the benefits of protection. This robe of righteousness is going to attract all favor to you. And you thought that you can fight incognito in this world without, your, without his righteousness. But with your righteousness, that missile that is coming to you at a random case by a random man will find your spot. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because you're not clothed. You see the answer? Your clothes matter. You think the Holy Spirit put that chap, that verse about this garments there just for to fill space? He's telling you, don't find yourself naked. See yourself with the robes of righteousness of his son Jesus Christ. And even if you're nobody's around, Nobody knows it, but you will be protected. He cried out, Jehoshaphat, even though he had the robes of the king, they wouldn't touch him. Why? Because he has the robes of righteousness. Do you get this? Do you get this? Don't lose your garments. Do you want to see more? Do you want to see more? Okay, I want you to go to... I want you to go to Genesis chapter 9 verses 22 to 23. Oh my goodness, when I saw this in my quiet time, some day time I told Milo, I was like, I never understood the chapter unless this revelation of garments came into the Holy Spirit showed me this. And this chapter opened up. Let's go to Revelation chapter, sorry, Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. Okay, I want you to read this, okay? This is powerful. Now again, this is how you read the Bible. This is how the Holy Spirit will lighten you. Just because something is put there, just on the top layer, it always has a prophetic layer and the gospel layer. Always! There is Jesus everywhere. There is Jesus hidden. There's always a top layer. Then there is the Israel layer. Then there is the Jesus layer. And then there's the prophetic layer. The Jesus layer and the prophetic layer is always there. It's always there. Jesus is there everywhere. Just I showed you from peg, right? The peg that will be cut off. That he'll care the thing. Jonathan exchanging his clothes with David. Name after it. You just go after it. It's all Jesus everywhere. You got it? So, not the, the, the king putting on his garments. Correct? It's Jesus' garments. You got it. Now look at this thing. Now, look at this verse... Genesis chapter 9, verses uh, 20 onwards. And Noah began to be a farmer and planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered, uncovered in his tent. 
Suddenly we were starting to get a clue. Is garments important for God? Yes. Why? Because the whole sin issue was about garments. It's about the glory. The glory is equated to your righteousness. It's your garments. Okay, now you're starting to, now it's starting to become very serious. Noah has become naked in the, in the tent. That's the top layer. But there's something more deeper. Then Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told of his two brothers outside. Okay? He saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Ham. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it both on their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. <coughs> Got it? Their faces were turned away and they did not see the nakedness, their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what the youngest son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May the Lord enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Canaan, of uh, tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. I don't know how to put this thing. But what they did with the garments affected their destiny. Yes or no? Till today, the nations that came out of Japheth ruled the world. All the western nations came out of Japheth. You know that? And all Shem, all the Jewish nation came out of Shem. And Jewish nation are the blessed in terms of wisdom, in riches and everything. Got it? All because of what they did with their garments. So what did they do? To cover Noah's nakedness. The Bible says they took the garment. They put it on themselves first. And they went backward. And covered the nakedness of their father. What is that a prophetic picture of? Yes. When you go backward. Whose nakedness are you covering? The nakedness of Adam your father. Now you carry the righteousness of Jesus first on yourself. You dress yourself first in that righteousness and then cover all the sins of your father. And then what happens? You attract the blessings of the father. The inheritance of Noah, the blessing of Noah came upon the blood on his children who decided to put the garments, which garment did they put on their shoulder? The garments of Jesus Christ. And they went backward and covered it. So this is what the Lord had told me. Anil, the same garment that covers you will cover your children. Amen. Not a different garment. Write it down somewhere. The same garment that covers you will cover your children. The same garment that the children have will cover their fathers. The same garment that covers you will cover your descendants. It is not a different garment. It's the same garment. It is their garment that they wear. You cannot put the garment that you don't wear on somebody else. It is the garment that they wore, that they went backward, that they refused to see. That is why the Bible in Leviticus goes line after line, said, you shall not see the nakedness of your 
sons, daughters. You shall not see the nakedness of your father. He's saying, don't, I don't want to see the sins of your children. I don't want to see the sins of your spouse. I don't want to see the sins of yours. Nakedness for God is iniquity. He says, I don't want to see their sins. Clothe them with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You wear it first and you walk backward and cover all that you are concerned about. Hallelujah. Because of what they did with that garment, they attracted the greatest blessing that continues till today. What are you doing with the garment that is on your back? Are you, number one, putting it on yourself first? And then to cover the nakedness of your children, of your friends, of the world's needs. Based on generations since ancestors. went backward and covered their father's nakedness. It's prophetic. There is no generational curse there. Because this generational curse is backward, isn't it? But your today's righteousness that you earn today will cover what? Good stuff. Good went backward and covered all generational curses. Every evil that your father had did, every evil that your Adam had did, when God under the old covenant said, I will not forgive your sins, I will remember your iniquity to your generation, to the third generation, I will by no means forget. God says that powerful iniquity, your garment that you currently wear will cover. And God says, well done. Well done. But there was a son that saw his nakedness and told others, God says, I already know that they are naked. It's like going into the law and telling them that they are wicked. I want you to go and see Jesus, my son, and see him perfect. Hallelujah. Do you saw the prophetic picture out there? Why this whole picture about nakedness is put out there? Because it's a prophetic picture of what you do with Jesus' righteousness. First, put it on myself. Say, I put it on myself. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, therefore put on Christ. You see that word? Put on Christ. You don't put on, except anything, you don't put on clothes. You put on Christ. Put on Christ. Okay. And we'll close very quickly because you can only bear so much. Okay. You know when they had to kill Stephen? And when Paul was involved in the killing of Stephen, what did they do, you know? When the Jews wanted to kill Stephen, they had to stone. Before they stoned, they removed their robes and their clothes and they put it at the feet of Paul. Why did they have to remove their clothes before stoning? The soldiers removed their clothes? No. Stephen. No, it, no. Their clothes. You know that? Acts chapter 22. No, not soldiers. These are the Jews stoning them. Remember, you know the story of Stephen? Stoning. They removed their clothes and put it at the feet of Paul, who was Saul. Saul was a rabbi. He's a Pharisee. They always needed a consent of a Pharisee or a teacher to approve of death sentence under their religious law. So they went to Paul to sanction the the death. So Paul allowed it. He said like the mafia, kill him. So he, he gave them religious permission. But before they could do that, they put the clothes at his feet. 
Remember, clothes determine outcome. Now, when the clothes became put at the feet of Paul, whose responsibility is this debt? Remember, as he said, I put your clothes on him and he will bear responsibility like it happened on Jesus. Now, Paul was responsible for Stephen's death. Right? Clothes. They could not kill Stephen with their clothes on because clothes represent righteousness. They had to put aside the righteousness of God to be able to kill a righteous man. You got it? God would not permit it. So, Stephen, now who, Stephen's death is whose responsibility? Paul's. The clothes are at his feet because he is undertaking this clothes. You got it? Are you guys getting it? Okay. Stephen, at the final time before he died, said one thing very important. What did he say? I see heaven open. So he saw what? Jesus. So the moment he saw Jesus, he sees the Son of Man. That means, who is he? Is he a man or is he a God? Man. So it is important for Stephen to see a man at the right hand of God. Because if he can see a man at the right hand of God, what does it say about himself? He can see himself at the right hand of God. So now he is not concerned about time. Because he is there. See, that is why the Bible doesn't say he saw the Son of God sitting, standing at the right hand of the Father. What does it say? He saw Son of Man. See, when you see Jesus as a man at the right hand of the Father, you see yourself. So the moment he saw himself, what did he do? He said, Lord, receive my spirit. And then he said, Yes! Oh my goodness, that is so important. If he had not said that, do not charge them the sin, what would have happened to Paul? Paul would never be regenerated. It was so critical because now Paul was responsible for his death. Now Paul, Stephen had the authority to forgive sin. Because Jesus said, whose sins you forgive, it will be forgiven. Whose sins you retain, it will be retained. What did Stephen do with that authority? He covered... No, 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 no. He went backward and covered Paul with the garments that he saw Jesus wore. Hmm. <laughs> and Paul became a preacher of righteousness. Hallelujah. He saw Jesus. He did what Shem and Japheth did for Noah. He refused to see the nakedness of Saul. Hallelujah. He said, I don't see his nakedness. I see the Son of Man, righteous. I see you, righteous. Lord, forgive them. Don't show them their nakedness. And God said, change him into a preacher of righteousness. And Paul started teaching the greatest revelation of righteousness ever known to man. Because of clothes. Have you ever thought about it? Are you willing to cover the nakedness, number one, of yourself? Don't try to cover the nakedness of others without you not be confident in the righteousness of Jesus. It's a gift. This garment is a gift. Don't try to wear filthy garments. 
don't try to wear filthy garments. Okay. I have to close. I don't know whether we'll visit clothes again. I think there's so much stuff on clothes. Okay. I have to show you one more and then we'll close. That is why, now wait, tell me, now that, now that we explain, why did the people put down their clothes when Jesus entered Jerusalem? Why did they put clothes on the donkey and made Jesus sit on him? Why did they put clothes on the, on the ground and Jesus rode on it? Now you answer. Yeah, say that now. He took their clothes. Did he sit on their clothes? Yes. Donkey. Did he ride on their clothes? That means he owned their responsibility. Exchanged outcomes. Now you understand why clothes had to come there? Because now they were exchanging outcomes. Till then, they never did that. Think about it. Till then, there's never a recount of an incident. And he was a popular teacher. He was a popular preacher. He was a popular prophet. But that one day, the Holy Spirit led them to throw clothes down. Means what we are saying. Give up your filthy garments and let the Messiah take over the outcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And clothes outcome happened. Happen. Don't give up your clothes. But now, now what they do is, now you are like the king of Israel. I want to disguise and go into battle. Why? You thinking that I will avoid Satan? No. You will attract Satan. Because you are walking around with naked with the righteousness of your filthy garments. Hallelujah. Good. Are you excited? Should I show you some more? Okay, one more. One more and then we will close. Okay. So when the lost son came home, what did the father do? What was the exact word? He said, exact word? Bring the best robe. The moment you bring the best robe and clothe them, he attracted all the blessing of his household. Put on the best robe. He said, bring out the best robe. It was not one of the robes. Do you think the best robe in the house is whose robe? Jerry. Yes. So whose robe is he wearing? What happened when he wore the father's robe? He got highly favored. He got the ring. He got the shoes. And there was party in the house. Correct? Did it happen suddenly? Because as easy as you put on, you attract favor. What was the elder son doing in the field? Whose clothes did he have? His own. So therefore, was he grumbling? Yes. See? He, this guy saw. That is why the Bible says, in the parable, okay, I didn't read the parable with respect to this passage today, correct? But I'm asking you a question. If clothes have to do with what about you? No, I know that. But 
How do you get your clothes? Come on. By seeing. With your eyes. Correct? By your eyes to be open to see Jesus. In that parable, is there any mention of his eyes being opened? What does it say? What is the exact word? Yes. He came to himself. So his eyes got opened. He saw that his father is greater than himself. He saw. He saw that. The moment he saw that, his victory started. His victory started. His victory started. So I'm saying is you look for the sign. Open your eyes and see. And I will close with one more. Let's remember there is this incident in the gospel. I know, I'm touching on some key verses which are never taught or preached, right? There's an incident in the book of Mark about a young man who runs away naked from not from the grave when Jesus was caught that night. And you always wonder, who is this guy? Why is it written there? Do you want to go that? Now that you understand clothes, let's understand what's going on there. Let's go to a naked man. Mark chapter Mark chapter 14 verses 52. Mark chapter 14 Mark chapter 15 14 verses 52. Now a certain young man followed him, him is capital, Jesus, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. When you follow Jesus, what do you have around you? Linen cloth. What is the linen a picture of? Or the priest wore linen clothes. Why? The priests were clothed with righteousness. How do I know it? Psalms, Psalms. Uh, 132 verse 9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Linen is a picture of what they were already clothed with. Correct? So their righteousness. So when you follow Jesus, what are you clothed with? Righteousness. What did he do with his righteousness? He took it. Do you see that? A certain man having a linen cloth thrown out of his naked body and a young man and young man laid hold of him. So he ran into pressure. Just like King Jehoshaphat. In the battle, he went with his robes on. Amen? How did he escape the robe battle, uh, the battle when pressure came upon him? What did he do? Did he remove his robes? He kept his robes. Say, kept my robes. Say, kept my robe. I'm telling you, we are going to close with this. This is powerful. This is the Holy Spirit. I never thought that I would close with this. When the pressure comes upon you, what do you do with the righteousness that God has declared over you? Say, keep it. Say, keep it. I keep it. Even if you condemn yourself, if your spouse condemns yourself, if your boss condemns yourself, if your teachers condemn yourself, if, the, if your government condemns yourself, what do you do with your righteousness of Jesus? Say, I keep it. I keep it. See, I keep it. I keep it. I keep it. When the pressure is on, I keep it. When the battle is strong, I keep it. How do I win 
cattle. But keep it. Keep what? The righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Don't be tempted to lean on or be your righteousness. Lean on to the righteousness of Jesus. Lean on to the garment. What did this young man do? He's a young man. It's too much pressure. What did he do? He left the linen garment. And he fled. He couldn't do it. And they all fled. That is why Jesus, before, this is just before he went, just after he went into the garden of Gethsemane. When he went for the garden of Gethsemane, he told all the disciples, including this certain young man. There's one of the disciples who followed Jesus. There's one of the disciples. He told all of them, pray that you will not enter into testings. Because he, Jesus knows what's going to happen. Satan is going to come to take away your garment of righteousness. He tried to take it from Peter. He succeeded. He tried to take it from Judas. He never had the garment of righteousness to put in. So he was never a brand that was plucked out of the fire. Correct? But all the others had their righteousness garments attacked. So they ran. They left it. They gave up their righteousness and they fled. That is why Jesus, after he came back, he had to clothe them. He had to show them. That's why he said, he went in the Luke and said, he walked with them on the road of Maus. He walked with them, walked with them, walked with them. And let me close with this. Let's go to Luke chapter this. See how important it was. Because they were naked in their own eyes. Let's read Luke chapter 24. 24. Luke chapter 24. Do you know this? Jesus walking with the two disciples? From Jerusalem all the way to Emmaus. Okay? You know this? As they walked, 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 walked. Let's read verse uh, 27, and they were very sad because they are naked, right? In their own eyes, they are naked, correct? So what does Jesus do? Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What is Jesus now trying to do? He's trying to get them to see whom? Himself. No, Jesus. <laughs> okay, let me repeat this. What is Jesus trying to get them to do? In the, in the scriptures to see whom? Who is himself? Jesus. Jesus. Correct. So he's, they are trying to get, he's trying to get them to see Jesus in the scriptures. Why is, isn't Jesus physically there? But he doesn't want to see him physically. So now Jesus defines how to see Jesus. Because you, why, why do you need to see Jesus? Jordan. To get your clothes on. See, you need your clothes. But to see your clothes, you need to see Jesus. But how do I see Jesus? Because now he's not here physically on the earth. You see him in the scriptures. This is after resurrection. He's giving a pattern on how to see Jesus. Amen? Correct. So he begins at um, prophets and Moses. Moses is the five books. Prophets are all the books. He expounded to the, in the, all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further. That means he's saying, I have still some more because I have still, I just finished what? Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible. I finished the prophets. What is left? No, New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Jyotna is saying the New Testament. Oh, that would be miraculous. <laughs> what is left? Jesus. 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 Jes
the Jewish Bible had the Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So he had still not started to talk about the Psalms. So he's saying, I will show you about myself in the in the Psalms. I am willing to go further. But they are like, they are like, we got it. Right? What happened when they got it? What happened? And they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is towards the night and the day is far from an event. He passed and, he, and they broke bread and gave it to them. Verse 31. What happened? Then their eyes were open. Same words. That was in Genesis. Their eyes were open. Did they have physical eyes that they could see Jesus? No. We are not talking about those eyes. We are talking about the eyes that gives you what? Clothes. Come on, man. I want to hear these clothes more and more today, okay? If you don't know the answer, just say clothes today, okay? <laughs> today, if you don't know the answer, just say clothes. Okay? What do you keep on? Clothes. What do you see? Clothes. You got it. <laughs> it's an easy test to pass. The answer is clothes. Okay. So their eyes were open and what happened? And they knew him. The moment they saw Jesus, but they saw Jesus physically, Julie, they saw physically, Jesus physically, but he's not talking about the eyes of light. He's not talking about physical light. Physical light cannot clothe you. Why? The Bible says, wow. Okay, let's go to first, second Peter chapter 1. I want, I, you have to go because I won't get here for two months and I'll forget this. Second Peter chapter 1. And this is Peter recounting the day when on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened to Jesus? Now let, let me hear, what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? His, what happened? His face, his face was shining like the sun and his clothes were brighter like with no man could clean. There was so much emphasis on what about him that day? About his clothes, correct? Why? Why, why did God show Jesus to the disciples as bright and clothes full as white? Because that is what they are in, in the Father's eyes. You got it? Because they wanted to see their righteousness in themselves. You got it? When they saw Jesus glorious and transfigured, what happened to them? They became glorious and transfigured. So they saw glory, correct? Glory. And when God, Peter had to recount this incident years later, you would think that he would talk about what about Jesus that day? You would talk about his face shining, his clothes. What did he end up talking about? Look at this. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitness to his majesty. He's talking about this transfiguration event. He's now recounting this. We saw it. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, and when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did he see glory on Jesus that day? Yes. But Peter defines glory as what here? The word. the word that was spoken over Jesus. 
He never mentioned his face shining. He never talked about his clothes. Bright. But he talks about Jesus receiving glory from the Father. He talked about the voice that came about him and saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Do you believe that that is the righteousness of Jesus? That now God, that voice speaks over you? That is the voice? So then Paul, uh, Peter says, And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. What prophetic word? That you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. You are righteous. You are righteous. So this word is now speaking to you how often? All the time. And he says, And so we have this prophetic word confirmed to you which you will do well to heed. It is like a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You got it? So this voice or this word of righteousness that God has now given you in the face of Jesus Christ is a light that shines in a dark place. Just because this light is there in this world doesn't mean that the darkness is gone. You have to open your eyes to see this light. What is this light? This light is a voice. Say the light is a voice. And this voice speaks over me that you are my beloved son and in whom I am well pleased. Now, that is, means keeping your garments on. You got it? That is the keeping your garments on. You say, Anil, I understand all this garment stuff, fluff, 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 fluff. But what does that really mean? It means that every day when you wake up, every day in the face of Jesus Christ, you hear this voice from him saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When that voice came up from heaven to Jesus, Julie, when that voice came up from heaven to Jesus that day, what happened to Jesus? How was it reflected to others? As brilliant light and fully clothed in white. Isn't it? That voice is what gives you the garment. When you see Jesus and his voice to you, this prophetic word, you better be clear to hear. Keep your garments on. Your righteousness from Jesus. Don't let any preacher, any teacher, any church, any friend, any spouse ever get you to get rid of. What happened? I showed you Esther. You keep your garments on, you receive great favor from the Father. I didn't talk about it. I want you to go back and read the book of Isaiah chapter 65. I didn't have time and we will break it down some other day. Isaiah chapter 65. This word of righteousness will bear fruit for you. It will bear fruit for you. And we'll talk about it for another time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, hallelujah. I just sense that garments like all over the place garments it's one garment but a garment of many colors the bible says let the royal daughter come in before the presence of the king with a royal robe of many colors now he's talking about the church you are this royal daughter of many colors dressed and clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ when the enemy comes against you, stand firm 
having put on Christ, says the Lord. And you will attract all the favor in the inner court where the scepter of the king is pointed towards you. Kiss it, says the Lord, is the favor of the king. And this robe attracts all favor. Father, I thank you for this robe that you have given us justly and righteously of your son Jesus Christ. And we put it on and we are gloriously arrayed, Master. And we see you every day, Master. We see you in the scriptures and we see you righteous perfectly and beautiful perfectly, O oh Master. And we glorify your name, O oh Master, because you have glorified us. We are arrayed in your righteousness and all filthiness has been removed. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. What about the former things that have happened in your life? The Lord says, I remember your former things no more. Stop dwelling on your past accomplishments and failures, says the Lord. Stop dwelling on it. There are some of you who have been meditating on some of your mistakes for so long. When I find no fault in you, why do you continue to meditate on what if, what if, what if I have done that? Why do you continue to go back to your old garments? Put on my garments and let it attract all the blessings in this world. For I have designed this world to serve the sons of God. All of creation groans for the manifestations of the sons of God. Be the clothed one. Be the one that is not naked, but found clothed in his righteousness. Hallelujah. 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 I just feel a ministry calling upon certain people out here. There will be people who will grab after you. Manor, this is for you. The Lord says there will be people in your community that will come after you to grab the sleeve of a righteous man and say, come, for we know the Lord is with you. And they will come because you have your righteousness, the robe of Yeshua on you. And they will come and grab your garments, says the Lord. Because they are not attracted by what you do. They are attracted by the righteousness that is on you, says the Lord. And because you are unashamedly bold to wear it, Gentiles will be attracted to you. And they will grab your sleeve. And you will say, this evangelism is not evangelism that I was taught. This is an evangelism of sleeve grabbing. <laughs> sleeve grabbing. When you put on this righteousness, they will hunger after your righteousness. Hallelujah. And they will be filled for there will be ten from every language that will grab after you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Go ahead and receive it. There are some people out here who have put on the garments of poverty. They're like, I have to pay the price for my sins. And I don't deserve to live in a good house. I don't deserve to have good food. I don't deserve for my children to do well. I say, put off that prideful, dirty garments 
when coming into the king's court, says the Lord, and put on the best robe. The best robe, says the Lord. Not the one robe, the best robe. And that's the father's robe in the father's house. And let there be party in the house where the fatted calf is killed, says the Lord. Thank you, Master. Where there is food enough to eat, food enough to spare, and food enough to make merry, says the Lord. Where the father isn't dancing and singing. Is this the father that you know? Of, of his fullness we have all received. Grace upon grace, says the Lord. Do you see Jesus strong in that area? And when you see Jesus strong in that area, you put on that same garment, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm saying is there's such an anointing for such prosperity and such victory. Oh my goodness, if you can only stop seeing yourself in your filthy garments for a change, and we start putting on the best robe, that has been given to you. That price has already been paid. The sin problem has been taken care of. Why are you like a fire that has been plucked out of the brand that has been plucked out of the fire? Why are you wearing filthy garments? Put on a new turban. Put on a new name. And I didn't share this in the, in the message. After Joshua was clothed, God said, put on a stone before them, which has seven eyes. Wow. There's only one mention of a being with seven eyes. And that is in Revelation where the Lamb stood in the midst of the throne with seven eyes. The seven eyes sees you perfectly and calls you perfectly righteous forever. Hallelujah. When Satan now comes to judge you and says you're filthy, you should say to him, I have seven eyes looking at me and those seven eyes sees me perfectly whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seven eyes looking at you from every direction, inside and outside, and perfectly righteous is what he calls you. Who will you believe? The one, the two eyes that you have, or the seven eyes that he has? Keep your garments, my daughter. Keep your garments. For those garments are my inheritance to you. And embroidered and royal and golden. Stand with those garments in my inner court facing me while I sit on the throne and the scepter of favor is extended. Hallelujah. Are you guys ready to receive unbridled prosperity in your life? It's exactly the word the Bible says. Unbridled. Prosperity that cannot be bridled, cannot be held back. You will like, you will <laughs> Jerry, you'll have so much money coming into your life. you like, I don't want all this money. But God says, I've made a way for this money to find ways to you, like a flowing of the, the stream of the Gentiles, the glory of the Gentiles, like a flowing stream, because I want it to flow out of you to the people that I've called you to minister to. Hallelujah. Renew your mind, says the Lord. Get rid of a mindset of a slave and of a servant that has to count its blessings every day. Stop counting your blessings. You cannot count it anymore. It's such a flood that you cannot count it. Hallelujah. Because it's the robe of, the best robe is on you. The best robe is on you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, just let's just praise God. Just thank God. Just praise God if you have tongues. 